Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Shwini Boone. It's episode 362. I'm joined not by Prez, who uh, is ill. So uh, thoughts and prayers. I'm sure he's fine. You don't need to actually pray for him. Um, But I am joined by uh, somebody who probably have not heard in a long time. Uh, His name is Jeffrey Rasmussen. You can follow him on Twitter at FrankBarrett119. And he is the co-host of the Hot Hand Theory alongside XJ. Uh, Jeff, how are you doing on this Thursday afternoon? I'm great. Um, you know, it's a new year, so new traditions. Just got back from the gym. I have thoughts about gym culture, modern gym culture, but you know, that's, that's its own, that's its own thing, I guess, for for a different podcast. Maybe we'll get into it here. You never know where things can go. Uh, But before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. First, we have that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. Posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may watch this podcast. If you are and you've not done so, if if you are watching it on YouTube and you have not done so already, please hit like, leave a comment, and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Strickland also has merchandise, which is available on our website. I am not wearing any, neither is Jeff, but trust us, it is it exists. Uh, you can again, you can find that on our website at www.thestrict.land. There's a link that'll take you to the merchandise store. You can find all kinds of cool stuff, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. Uh, although we may need to come up with some new merch because a couple of our favored sons have left us. Uh, but Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pop Strickland's podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to our news podcast takes from Robbie's Bozos, hosted by Andrew Steele, aka Doug, alongside Zach Bladder. Strickland also gives you access to a Discord. But the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strictly NFL that is hosted by Constantine Metricos. And you may have heard of him, Jeffrey Rasmussen, our weekly podcast about. Once again, you may have guessed it, the NFL. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits. Go listen to the pod recordings, personal discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including bad news for pro football including, I don't know why I said bad news, including news for pro football, the NBA upcoming fights and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. Um, okay, so the Knicks uh, dispatched the lowly, cowardly, disgusting, vile Chicago Bulls yesterday uh, in a game. It's actually funny. I was reading uh, John's newsletter this morning. And he he described the game as a game that was closer than the final score indicated. And I actually think this was an example of the Knicks fucking around, and then they were just. And then Tibbs was like, "Well, if I, like, I mean, it was it was a game of starters versus bench, 
And you knew every time the Knicks starters were in, specifically, I mean, especially with OG and iHeart. Um, but like when those guys were in, the game was over. It was over. Uh, and it was dominant. I don't think that I, I actually didn't. I, I felt I felt like the game was close because the Knicks had really fucked around in the first half with turnovers. And once the turnovers went down, the Bulls had no shot. They had no chance against this Knicks team. Um, it, it, it was a juggernaut against a, a team that's playing better. Chicago, no doubt about that. Um, but also shorthanded a little bit. But yeah, look, the Knicks were great. And um, as we know, given the two games the Knicks have won since making uh, what well, I guess I'm just going to start calling it the OG Emmanuel, the OG IQ trade. Um, and as we know, uh, that is all you need to know. Uh, that's all you need to see to declare yourself a victor of the trade. The Knicks have won the trade. That's all. No, I, I'm kidding. But the Knicks, the early returns on this trade for what the Knicks were going for are very promising. Um, they look really good. That starting lineup now. And it's one of those things where like, I, I think, I mean, you and XJ, were always higher on OG than I was. And I understood like what he would bring, but definitely not to this degree. And not just what he's doing individually, but you see the impact that it has on DiVincenzo. And honestly, I'm really, really, I'm getting like a little probably too excited about what we've seen from Julius in the two, in these last two games defensively. But I, I don't know that that's wrong. Like the things we're seeing from him defensively are very encouraging. Um, Obviously, iHeart is iHeart, and 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 like I just think I totally underestimated that, undervalued it, and I I think even for people that appreciated him the way you and XJ did, I I don't know if you are fully like could have grasped like oh wait, Divincenzo is a good defender now. This is perfect. This is great. Like he's back doing the things he should do, um, and and then like you know offensively, yes, he can hit the corner three. But I'm very. I, I didn't realize how quick his catch, gather, go up, dunk. Uh, I didn't realize how quick he was with that. I didn't realize how good of a cutter he was. I didn't realize how active he was on the offensive glass, to be honest. And um, it's it's just it's really working well. Obviously, the bench is a mess right now. That's something they need to figure out. And I think yes, they need to probably go out and get a bench guard in the trade market. But I also think Tibbs needs to do a better job of like. Look, man, you can't just have one either Brunson or Randall out with four of the bench guys, and like that's that. Like there, there needs to be a little bit more staggering being done. Uh, we'll see if he, he get, ever gets around to that. But uh, without Emmanuel, quickly, that's been very glaring. Um, but I'm just like I don't know. I I think in a lot of ways, and I, I do. There was an exha exhaustion of how many how long and how many times can we have the same conversation about like well Emmanuel Cookley needs to play more minutes and RJ Barrett sucked and Tibbs needs to stagger the rotations more and like it, we had had the same conversation about this team it felt like for what since the start of last season at the bare minimum um and i'm sure that exhaustion existed internally too and i'm sure that exhaustion definitely led into frustrations uh, internally probably got, and we know like as Fred Katz reported, there was, uh, issues with guys not being happy about their minutes, their role. I think all of that is inevitable, uh, in the NBA. And it's, it's really hard to, it's easy to have a really good dynamic one season. It's really hard to bring back the same exact players, you know, and have the same exact dynamic. That's just not how it works. Um, and I think 
this team needed to change in some ways. They made a big one. Um, we, we, I'm sure we'll talk about whether they totally maximized the asset. I did listen to yours and XJ's pod today, so I think we uh, are on the same boat there. But I do think they deserve credit for, one, accepting that the R.J. Barrett contract extension, whatever, him as a play, it was just not happening in New York. It's not going to happen. Um, and they didn't anchor themselves to having to justify their choice of giving that extension. Uh, I think they deserve credit for that. And I think they deserve credit for identifying a player who, again, er, small sample size, but I just don't think there's much doubt about it, um, has brought, he he is, the, he is, uh, you know, he, he is Luke Skywalker, maybe. He brought balance to the force. Um, but like, it's, it's just, it's, I think they deserve credit for those things. And, um, you know, now the team is unstuck in some ways of like, okay, like, now, like before, it was kind of like, okay, we have this Fournier expiring, but how the fuck do we add somebody to this lineup without, like, I don't, like, how are we doing all of this? And now I think you're having, we're, we're driving the conversation forward now about this team and this team, whether they do or do not, um, this trade is a, was clearly about raising the ceiling around Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson uh, with Tom Thibodeau as the coach. and. I think they have done that in at least the short term for sure. Um, and I think now every, like the moves that we're talking about now have to always kind of be about, it's not about managing your young guys. And like, I think they clearly are signaling, they view themselves as a very competitive team in the East that, Maybe isn't quite it, it's not quite there yet, you know, with Boston or whatever, but they have the firepower in terms of assets and contracts to get into that class. And now it's about them doing it. Um, will they have will that move be available to them at this deadline of going to get the guy or guys that can vault them into that true contenders tier? I don't think so, but I do think they're at least able to now get somebody who whatever we feel about Emmanuel quickly and how they manage his, his time here, I think, I think you can say that there should be moves available to them that the aggregate of OG in for RJ and 80%, 85% of Emmanuel quickly bench guy able to run those units um, that should push their ceiling higher in the short term for sure. I think. Yeah. Um, it's quite a bit to unpack there. Um start with the game uh i think i'm somewhere in between you know what you said john said and in your opposing side because i think they kind of go together like i feel like what john was implying is kind of objectively true in the sense of it was 95 91 or whatever you know it was 90 to 89 right like in the fourth quarter there was some tension but then to the other side to your to your side I mean, we were down 55-51 at halftime, and I had minus eight and a half, and I felt great. I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't (laughs) – none of that. I did not – I didn't – I like – of course, like, I I wasn't like, this is 100%, but I did feel extremely confident that that was just about it, like, from a turnover perspective. But through it all, I I do think that the one takeaway in a macro sense and in the long term is that this starting lineup is super good. 
but they're going to have an issue of the bench minutes until they do something. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what there is to be done. They just, they're getting crushed in the Randall with the bench minutes. It's basically just, we're going to, we're going to see some wild stuff in like the net swing. And I don't even know if it's Randall's fault. I I don't think it's Randall's fault. I don't think so either. I actually think he's being put, I think Tibbs is doing a disservice to that bench group and to Randall right now with how he's managing that, but whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'll save my Tibbs. I'll save my Tibbs uh, anger for later in the pod. But the thing is, is that, you know, <laughs> to defend Tibbs, Randall's supposed to be your second option. Your second option's supposed to lead the units when the first option isn't in. That's that's how it works in modern NBA. So, like, this idea that, like, oh, we need to get Randall, you know, an above-average initiator from the perimeter. I, I mean, if I was Tibbs, I'd be a little frustrated. Like, Randall's an all-star, and you're telling me that he can't, at least in these first two games, he hasn't been able to lead these bench units to even competency, um, which is a little bit interesting to me because I have have it on good authority that winning minutes against the bench is incredibly easy and something anybody can do. <laughs> and uh, um, it's weird how Josh Hart's, you know, all of his impact stuff has gone just straight off a cliff in the last but, week. I, But by the way, uh, I know that uh, we had talked about this last night on the post game. But after the, there were still games going on, so EPM has further updated. Josh Hart now is in the 25th percentile on offense, 54th percentile uh, on defensive EPM, and 30th percentile in overall EPM. He is, you know, I know that uh, Josh Hart was the one that actually uh, saved the season last year. Um, so hopefully he'll uh, randomly be able to do that again. Maybe maybe they can find a, a guard that can. Uh, help play off of him and and really elevate uh, the team defense in their minutes together. It'd be really cool to have a guy like that. It would. Um, but in the meantime, they do have a guy like that. They have Dante DiVincenzo who can just play shooting guard in these yes. closing lineups. So uh, until Josh Hart figures it out, we can, we can have a conversation about, and by the way, the, the lineup, the closing lineup last night was great. So this isn't like, of course, anyone's watched it last night. And they're like, what are you talking about? It was great. It was great because the Bulls didn't have a way to punish the Knicks for the deficiencies. It was like they were trying. Billy Donovan's a good coach. They were blitzing Jalen Brunson, but they didn't have the backline defenders to make the rotations necessary. They they were trying to make it apparent that like, okay, we don't care that Josh Hart's out there. And it's like, it's cool that they were able to – um not be hurt by that and sort of, you know, play whatever move they had back at the bulls with those five guys on the court. But you could just make your life way easier if you just play DiVincenzo and not like not let them do that. Cause you can't, nobody wants to give up open threes to really good shooters. The whole reason that Josh Hart is, and I understand, I, I actually feel like they did a really good job of finding creative ways within that paradigm, within that lineup to not let Josh Hart be as exploited. You know, they used him as a screener. They used him as the role man They they on the short roll. They let him play to his strengths, which is smart. But you have a better basketball player right now. Like, why not? Just, and, and in his natural position. Like, Josh Hart is playing out of position at shooting guard in, in that lineup. 
but you have a better player who's already a shooting guard just waiting right there to play. And he was like four of 10 from three last night. He's been hot lately. I something I don't, I don't, or will never understand. Um, but back to my original point, if, and when Josh Hart turns it around uh, in the macro, I'm at least more open to having the conversation. Like, with anybody, with anybody who wants to say like, okay, here's why Tom Thibodeau likes this, likes him in that lineup. I'll be like, okay, his impact is really good. He's playing well. All right. I don't think I agree with it. I get it. He's been one of the worst players in the rotation this year. It's indefensible right now. Um, and I truly believe that as long as he keeps playing this way, it is going to hurt the Knicks against better teams. Uh, they play a really good team on Friday. So we'll see how that goes. I will say though, like I'm not worried at all about the Sixers in terms of the Knicks starting lineup versus the Sixers starting lineup, I think the Knicks are going to hold up just fine uh, in, in those those early minutes of the first and third quarter and the end, end of halves. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, the Josh Hart thing is just very infuriating at this point, um, just because. And I, I actually, I'll I'll throw this to you. I was thinking about this uh, earlier today, and. I think Josh Hart will not be on the actual contending version of this team. Um, I think his skill set now with DiVincenzo here and having acquired OG Ananobi, I think he becomes the guy that's superfluous to the Knicks. Um, I don't think they need his rebounding the way they did last year. I don't think his pushing of the pace has been very valuable at all this season. I don't think his decision-making is very consistent or good. And DiVincenzo is a flat-out better shooter. He's not a great point-of-attack defender. OG is clearly better than him. Quentin Grimes is a better point-of-attack defender than him. I think as an off-ball defender, DiVincenzo is superior. And I think... OG is, I mean, OG is just better than him at everything. Let's be fucking honest here. Like OG is basically better at, than Josh Hart at every element of basketball. And that's kind of why Hart was super valuable to us prior to OG, because all the things we were really frustrated at with RJ, right? The small things, like the things that aren't box score necessarily, but those small things are things that Josh Hart is willing to do, right? Fighting for position, defending guys bigger than you. All of that stuff. Um, and now you have OG. And he does all those things. I'm not saying that there's no place at all in the current rotation for Josh Hart. But I think his utility has been minimized. And if Grimes gets his shit together, I really just think Grimes should be taking the, like the, their minutes load and, and role should be changing. Because Grimes' ability to spread the floor has to be honored. I don't care what he's shooting. I don't care if he's looks like a, you know, he he's playing frantically. His shooting is clearly more honored by opponents. This was very much most obviously recently demonstrated in the fucking playoffs last year against Miami. So I think Josh Hart is not, I don't want to say he's a problem. That's, that's an extreme reach, but he is a problem that Tibbs can't seem to rid. Like he, he cannot seem to, uh, dial back his addiction to Josh Hart. He seems to feel like he has to find a way to get him 25 minutes a night. And that was a mistake when Emmanuel quickly was here. And it remains a mistake with OG Ananobi here. He does not need these minutes right now. 
he does not. He's not even he's not even playing like last year when he's playing well. I had no issue with it. Why would you? Right? He was so impactful. You want him on the floor. This year, he's not impactful because one part of the reason is he's not shooting, you know, fucking 98% from three. And the other part is I think he's just feeling himself too much. Like the, the fucking passing in transition is I might I honestly I'm gonna have an aneurysm about it. If I got it's like he threw one yesterday in into the fucking mezzanine. That was insane. It's one of the worst passes I've ever seen in a fucking basketball game. It's ridiculous to watch. Um and 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 yeah, that's just that's just what I think. Like I, I think I don't think the Josh Hart thing is like I'm not. I really don't think he's a problem this year, aside from Tibbs' usage of him. Like I'm not saying he his existence on the roster at this moment in time is a problem beyond the way Tibbs sees him. But I do think you're going to reach a point where you're going to be looking to make a consolidation move. We know the Knicks are trying to move like that, and. He, I think he's pretty expendable right now. I, I, I'll put it this way: I think he's a lot more expendable than Divincenzo. I think he's a lot more expendable than Divincenzo right now. Like I don't even think that's fucking close. And a week ago, that was a different conversation before OG Ananobi got here. But he's here and he's beautiful. Um, but like, <laughs> I, I think it's a different conversation now. And I, I, I want to like, I do have this like me and me and Jeff have this uh, awesome. Uh, soft uh, little hater agenda on Josh Hart that we're loading up here. Um, I am anyway, but it's not like real. It's like, it's kind of more like a, Oh wow. I guess Emmanuel quickly was important agenda. Um, but like he, he's just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little concerned with like, they, they can't view him as yes. I get he's Brunson's buddy and I'm, I'm fine with him being Brunson's buddy. And, he helped the Knicks do something last year that matters. It matters they got to the second round of the playoffs. I don't think you need to win a championship every year to feel like you had a successful season. And Josh Hart was absolutely critical to that. You know, I'm not, I'm never going to take that away from him. He was great. But just the way that the organization felt like, yeah, we might love quickly. And we might, maybe I'm sure there are people in the organization that still believe in RJ Barrett. But you know what? It's time to turn the page. And, and if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. I think there will be a time in the next 12, 18 months where the Knicks are trying to turn the page on and enter a new higher level. And I think that turning of the page might involve Josh Hart or, and not, and that, and maybe it, maybe it won't, but I, I think it should. I, I really think it should. Yeah. I mean, it's two different conversations here. Would and should. Yes. The Josh, the Josh Hart we're getting right now isn't helping anybody. Like he's he's been a negative to the team this season. He needs a leash. That's the reality. Tibbs Tibbs is just giving him like free reign to do whatever the fuck out there. He had him run a pick and roll yesterday in the fourth quarter, which was unbelievable. Like I, I was I could not believe that. That was insane. Uh immediately turned the ball over. But like he, he Tibbs is addicted to Josh Hart. And because he's addicted to Josh Hart, Josh Hart is playing way above and beyond what he should be both in terms of his minutes, but also just what he is allowed to do when he's on the floor. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like we've had this conversation a number of times and so we really and, and talk. I, um, yeah. <laughs> I just mean like, I feel like a lot of, like your side is like, here's what I think the Knicks should do. And it's based on logic and reason. 
and I fall on the other side and it's like, but the Knicks, and by the way, that's, this isn't a shot. At the, like, I think the Knicks front office is great. I do think that they acquiesce to Tibbs's desires though, with certain things like you and others were certain Randall wouldn't be a Nick for a while. And like, to me, it was just obvious that Randall was always going to be a Nick. Well, not, now like, I just, now I kind of like, man, he has a good playoff. Sign him up forever. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, he, sh- he should be a Nick. I, I mean, yeah. I, again, I don't, I don't mean that like he shouldn't. I'm just saying yeah. when we were having these conversations when Randall yeah. was at his most frustrating and it was like, he'll be out of here. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I think they like him. Like um, the other side was quickly. Like, I just think Tibbs loves Josh Hart. Like that's super obvious. And I think the only way Josh Hart is not a Nick in the future. And by future, I mean like next two, three years is if, he just keeps playing like this and he's a toxic asset and they have to, and they're like, okay, we're not going to play you anymore. Cause you're, cause eventually like you do this long enough, you're just not playable. I don't care how much Tibbs likes your rebounding. We have data. Like there's data that shows like, Hey, you're not helping. And, 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 you know, and the other people- thing is DiVincenzo rebounds. This is the, this is the other part of it. That's yeah. really frustrating. Like you could, I, I could see the argument of like, well, quickly he's not rebounding well. So it's like, okay, fine. I'll give you that. DiVincenzo rebounds well. Like, so it's a very different conversation then. Yeah, no, that's, that's 100% true. Um, And that's the, like, that's kind of the point though. It was like, you brought up Grimes. If it were me, I would just play Grimes more at the three. That seems really easy to me. Um, You play him, you know, with Ananobi or Randall at the four. And you have DiVincenzo at shooting guard. He's a plus rebounding for a shooting guard. Especially if Hardenstein's at center. I don't think, I just don't think you're getting crushed on the glass. Um, I think Grimes is the guy who's going to be out the door. I think he's going to be in the next trade. I don't think Tibbs loves him. I think that, <laughs> like, I I just think that Tibbs has these really shining bright boxes that need to be checked, and it allows him to do things that maybe hurt the macro, but like he just can't live if these things aren't being checked. So like Heat series last year. You know, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson's working in the mid post with Josh Hart one pass away and RJ Barrett two pass away. In the modern NBA, this is a very easy fix. This is this is it's glaring. Like it's just like okay, we need a shooter, but he's always going to be like, well, I need rebounding, I need size, and I don't subscribe to that style of basketball. I guess they're just thinking of basketball. Like to me, it should always be about the macro. I don't care about the how if you want to eventually one day talk about the how I'm, I'm cool with that but the primary focus should always be putting the team out there that gives you the best chance of winning by the most and teams that can't shoot I'm sorry your ceiling just isn't as low or isn't as high excuse me and when Josh Hart is your shooting guard y- your spacing is just more cramped than with if DiVincenzo or, or Grimes is your shooting guard um and again, I'm not saying that shooting is the only thing, but let's not pretend like Josh Hart has this huge defense edge over either Grimes or DiVincenzo. In fact, I mean, he's wor- by by defensive EPM, he's worse than both this season. Um, or no, he's worse than Grimes and he's better than DiVincenzo. Um, DiVincenzo, I want to be, I, I'll be, sh- within a week, DiVincenzo is going to be shitting all over Josh Hart's defensive EPM. Yeah. No, because he's in he's in his more ideal role now. He's in and the that's perfect what... role. And also, you guys talked about this. I I don't. He's probably not going to shoot a hundred thousand percent from three or whatever. 
I think he's going to put up a career high from three because he is playing in the best role he's ever played in. And he has the best shot profile he's ever had. And he is a proven commodity as a catch and shoot sniper. And he's getting all the catch and shoot threes he's ever wanted. Sorry. I, I, I thought you and actually brought that up. That was such a really good conversation. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's funny. Me and uh, me and XJ agree so much. I, I, I try to find the spots where we disagree, you know, like, so we can actually talk about stuff because so often, like he says something and I'm just like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. Like, and cool. like, I, don't, I don't know how many people want to listen to a, even people who love like data and analytics. I don't know how many people are, don't want any d- dissent or disagreement. So that was nice because, and he'll probably end up being right. I mean, we argued about fucking RJ a week into the season. I was like, Oh, but he's shooting free throws better. And then no, I was wrong about that. And he was the one, he was the one early in the season. who was like, maybe Hartenstein is just better than Mitch. And I was like, no, that's impossible. And wrong again. So I guess third time- should have called him a racist. <laughs> I just hoping third time's a charm here. And DiVincenzo shoots lights out the rest of the season, but actually has got the better track record than I do. Um, but yeah, I do think that like, in his role next to Brunson and Randall, especially when they're both on the court, it's just, he's not doing anything with the ball in his hands. Like there was that one possession early in the first half. I think it was like 12, seven Knicks or maybe 10, seven Knicks. And the ball found its way to OG in the corner. He attacked a closeout. He slipped it to Hardenstein in the middle. Hardenstein kicked it out to Brunson in the corner. Brunson made the extra pass to DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo just walks into a wide open three if that's your shot diet and you're a good shooter, I, I don't think it's wild to expect him to shoot a little bit higher than his baseline um, efficiency in prior seasons. And yeah, on both ends of the court, DiVincenzo is absolutely being maximized. Absolutely. Um, this starting lineup, I just can't, I can't say enough about the starting lineup. Um, it's just in every way. I mean, and you brought it up earlier when Randall, I mean, you don't want Randall to have to be your second or third best defender. You just don't. That's terrible. Like you, that's too much. And I, again, not hating on Randall. That's just too much for him. He he carries such a large burden offensively. He's already not like the type of guy who's just nails every single possession. You want that to be your fourth or fifth best defender. Nothing we can do about Brunson. Like Brunson's just, he tries more often than not, but he's just physically limited you, you need Randall to be the only other sort of weakness. And when you put Randall in that fourth, not fourth option, but when he's your second worst defender and you have three guys like DiVincenzo, OG, Hardenstein, who are all impacting different areas of the defense and, you know, they're they're doing different things defensively. DiVincenzo's off the ball more. OG and Anobi's on the ball more. Hardenstein's at the rim. Those are three really important areas of defense. All of a sudden, Randall is sort of allowed to impact in his own way, but they're not reliant on it. They're not getting killed by when he's not locked in. And in a way, I think that kind of frees up his defense. I've been really impressed with Julius Randall's defense the last two games, ever since the Ananobi acquisition. And it would be awesome if that kept up. I'm not asking him to be good. I'm just asking him to be fine. Like, just be competent. Don't kill the Knicks. And that's exactly what he has been this season. I mean... He's in the 66th percentile defensive EPM. That's really good. Like to do that over a third of a season, mm-hmm. I can bring up right now, like his career, but that's, I mean, so in the year, the first all NBA season when he was awesome, uh, 
he was that was his career best EPM defensive EPM by a long shot. Uh, and then he was somehow a small positive the next year. He was 65th percentile, but he's been a negative the rest of his career. Um, and his offense from an impact perspective is back to like what it was in 2021. Again, it's, it's going to be really hard for him to ever, I, I said this in the offseason. it's going to be really hard for him to ever be as good as he was last season. And that's not, you know, being dismissive, but, or like but he's making you, he's making me believe. He's making me believe. Yeah, but no, I, I, I mean, offensively. I know, I know, I know. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.